Welcome to Shahada Stories, the podcast. Shahada is the Muslim profession of faith. Each episode, we will be sharing the true stories of the circumstances that led up to everyday people of different faith backgrounds making the choice to become Muslim. We will also be sharing the stories of people who have always been Muslim but experienced challenging moments that led them to renewing their faith. I am Hannah Hassan, and Shahada Stories is my passion project. Each week, I will be joined by my husband, Jamal, and he will help me bring these stories to life. Let's get started. Assalamu alaikum, you guys. It's Hannah Hassan here. Assalamu alaikum, it's Jamal. Uh, we're really excited to be here for our very first episode of our Shahada Stories podcast. How excited are you, Jamal? I'm super duper excited. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. I'm ready to get into it. I am too. And what I, I believe in is not wasting uh, too much time. So let's let's jump into sort of explaining to the people who we are and what we're doing here. And then, you know, we'll, we'll get it cracking with some um, Shahada Stories. Cool? It's great with me. Okay, so just a quick background. Shahada Stories, I I formed Shahada Stories in my mind probably in about 2002. I was in college. I went to hear a live, well, I went to see a live production of storytelling. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be to hear the stories of Muslims on stage? At that point, I started like asking people their shahada stories my sister-in-law will tell you that she was my first uh guinea pig um but i i into i interviewed her and i i have that tape still to this day i think and got her story from her and i just started to document stories um in my mind essentially and writing some of them and recording some of them from that point forward um i went to college and um, my master's degree is in creative writing. So I learned a lot about um, how to write for like movies and scripts. And ultimately that helped me with writing for the stage. Uh, Jamal and I and a group of other like young Muslims in our hometown of Charlotte started like um, an open mic night uh, where we would do live performances. And part of that was uh, we, we held events and live stage shows. One year, we decided to do a show at, um, was it at UNC Charlotte? Yeah, UNC Charlotte. I think it was, uh, was the McKnight Theater. Yeah, it was on campus, and it was for Eid. And when we were thinking about, like, you know, doing spoken word and, you know, just the different things that would be on stage, the different performances that we had, we decided that it would be cool to do um, a few Shahada stories. And um, that was essentially when Shahada stories on the stage was introduced to our community. Um after that, um, I went on to produce some live shows. Uh, what I would do is interview people, get their stories, and then take those stories and write them for the stage. Um, and volunteer storytellers would come in, learn the stories, and then share them on stage and perform them. It became like something that was really cool. I remember our first big show. Do you remember that one, Jamal? Yeah, it was. Was it Starlight? Yeah, it was at a um a black box theater um here in the Charlotte area and it was it was sold out. There was standing room only. The thing that I found one of the things that I found so beautiful about that show is that I saw so many couples there. Like it's weird sometimes to see 
Like, when you go to Muslim events, oftentimes the, the brothers and the sisters are separated. And there aren't a lot of things that happen that can be just like a date night. And so I thought it was really cool to see some of the couples come out together to the show and sit together and hold hands and, you know, like really enjoy like the art portion of it, not just to like hear a lecture or something like that. Sometimes we just need culture, you know? And so, and I remember that show being super emotional. There were some stories that made you laugh, many that made you cry. It was just, it was beautiful. And so from that point forward, you know, like Shahada Stories has been something that's been very important to me. Um, We've done multiple shows and now, you know, with a little nudging from my husband and my brother and my sister, my sister-in-law, um, I decided to, to make this a podcast. And essentially, right now, the way that it's going to work is that I will share one of the stories that's from a sister and Jamal will share one of the stories that's from a brother. And we will discuss those stories afterwards um, and then we'll invite you to, you know, discuss them online on our social media and things of that nature. Uh, we just want to get the stories of Muslims out there. This podcast is not just for Muslims. We anticipate that there will be people who aren't Muslims listening to it. And that's perfectly fine because it's really important for us to be able to put who we are out there for the community, for the world to see, and not to let the narrative of who the Muslim Americans are be led by people who don't really know our experiences, you know? So um, essentially, just know that every story that you hear is true. Uh, We do our best to protect the anonymity of the people who have shared the stories, unless they've told us otherwise, like they want people to know that it's them. Um, And we're happy to get your story if you want to share it with us. Oh, also very important. The Shahada stories are not just the stories of people who were once another religion and then became Muslim. They're also the stories of people who were always maybe Muslim, born and raised, but who had those moments of impact in their life that like really sort of changed the way that they view their faith or, you know, um, really made them stronger in their deen. Um, And so that's very important for people to know that you'll hear all kinds of different stories, but each episode will have one from a sister. I will share that one and then one from a brother and Jamal will share that one. All right, Jamal, any last words before we jump into it? Um, just to say that that everybody loves a good Shahada story and you have ones that, like you were saying a little bit earlier, that... You know, from people that may have been born Muslim that kind of left for a little bit and then decided to come back. Or some people that were practicing but not really, you know, didn't really have it in their heart. And then they found, you know, there's a moment where they had an aha, like, this is what it means. And mm-hmm. then, you know, of course, then you have your, you know, I was, uh, you know, maybe not a Muslim. Maybe I was Christian. Maybe I was whatever. And then I started to learn about the faith and then, you know, took your shah- took their shahada. So, it's going to be really interesting. I'm excited to go through all of the stories. Like you were saying earlier, you know, you have stories that make you cry, stories that's going to make you laugh, stories that, you know, going to make you, you know, think about things, you know, and maybe you remember some things in your, you know, life story that you forgot that happened to you. So I'm really excited to get these stories out and see what the response is going to be. Me too. Okay, well, so we're going to go ahead and get it popping, and we'll share a story and then uh, talk about it a little bit with you guys, all right? So let's get started. When Men. It was my uncle who introduced my father to Islam. My uncle was an original member of the 5% Nation. He brought my dad in. They both went from the 5% Nation to the Nation of Islam. 
The natural progression of things led them to becoming practicing Muslims under the leadership of Imam Bordeen Muhammad. My uncle gave my dad his name. My father named me after him. It was through them that the seed of Islam was planted in our family. My mom met my dad in a bar. A man there had asked her to buy him a drink when my father intervened. He was there recruiting for the nation of Islam. He told my mom that she didn't need to buy beer for that man. She was a beautiful black woman and should be treated as such. She didn't know what my dad was selling, but she was buying it. The language swept her off her feet. That was the night that led my mom's path to Islam. While both my parents believed in the tenets of the faith, there was one thing that stood in between the two of them and the purification of their beliefs, drugs. It was the 80s in New Jersey and drug addictions, especially in neighborhoods like ours, were common. So, though we had names that were derived from Islamic tradition, Islam was never really practiced in our home. Ultimately, the presence of addiction ruined their relationship, and just like that, my father was out of my life. It turns out that picking the right man wasn't necessarily my mom's strong suit. She was a great mother, and she loved all six of her kids, but at that time in her life, she was unlucky in love. My sister's father was abusive, extremely abusive. It got so bad that she felt like he was going to kill her. She had a legitimate fear for her life and the life of her children, and she knew she had to get out of there. We would need to get far away, and a shelter seemed like our only option. She did her research and found out that there were only two shelters in America that would accept us as we were. You see, I was 13, and most shelters for battered women would not accept young men at that age. Our two options were Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and a small town in North Carolina. We packed our entire lives into two trash bags and went quiet in the night and hopped on a greyhound to the state that we had never been to and a city we had never heard of. This small town became our home. After living in the shelter for two months, we were able to move into the projects. We had our own apartment. It wasn't much, but we were safe. At that time in my life, I was searching. I was looking for faith. I was looking for what would make sense for who I was supposed to be. There was a church van that would come around and I would be eager to hop in. All of us were. They gave us food and got us out of the projects for a little while. I even got baptized by accident. I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that it didn't feel right for me. So I was still looking. A chance encounter in a grocery store would help me find my answers I was searching for. My mom ran into a covered woman one day when she was out shopping. She suspected that the woman might be Muslim. Though my mom wasn't practicing Islam at the time, she was still very familiar with the teachings. So she walked up to the woman and said, Assalamu alaikum. The woman returned the greeting, Wa alaikum assalam. They got into a conversation where my mom found out there was a mosque in that small town and the woman's husband was also from New Jersey and he didn't live far away from us. The woman's husband, Shakir, took me and another neighborhood boy under his wing. He was a mentor in the Big Brothers Big Sisters program and he became our big brother. Shakir, a strong, fun young Muslim man who was a married business owner with a northern swag with southern sensibilities became like the father figure that I desperately needed in my life at that time. 
My friend and I loved going to the masjid. In addition to Shakir, there were at least five other strong black men in this family-oriented mosque. All of them were husbands, fathers, and business owners. All of them were men of faith. Like the men in my lineage, most of them had been in the nation of Islam and then nurtured into Orthodox Islam under the leadership of Imam W.D. Muhammad. Like my father, some of them had experienced the street life. The difference was the streets didn't win. They mentored us and taught us about the faith, employed us within their companies when we were old enough, and took us on trips and treated us like their own sons. I had never seen black male excellence like this before, and I knew that there was something in this that was tied to them being Muslims. My friend and I chose Islam instantly. We inherited a family of men who nurtured us and poured God consciousness and tough love into us. We also built a brotherhood among all of the other young men in the masjid. We had a young black man crew. We were known around our town. We were unapologetic Muslims and supported each other and held each other down. We were best friends. We found pride in not smoking and clubbing when everyone else around us was. We were, and still are, brothers for life. After he left us, I never laid eyes on my father again. 1997 was the last time I heard his voice. He died from AIDS in February of 2011. He wasn't able to raise me. It just wasn't in the plans. But he was able to plant the seed that would eventually grow in me and throughout my family. My sister's father was a man who couldn't hold up his end of the bargain either. His actions led us down south to a town where we knew no one. I believe that a part of the reason that we needed to get down there was to introduce me into manhood. Boys need men in their lives. As a young, seeking black man, I needed a village of strong, committed, God-conscious men to show me the way. Ultimately, the strength of those men, the camaraderie of my brothers, and the beauty of Islam drastically changed my life forever. La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah Muhammadan Rasulullah. All right, Jamal, uh, you just finished sharing when men with us. Great job. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know where that voice came from. You guys will learn that, you know, my husband has these voices that just happen sometimes. And, you know, it's very interesting. Um, but anyway, I thought that um, I remember when I interviewed the, the brother for that story. And I thought that it was so important to share um, the point of view of a young black man in America and what it's like to become Muslim. Oftentimes, um, people I've heard before people say that, you know, black men become Muslim in jail, which some do, but that's not only the case, right? What was, um, what stuck out to you about this story? Well, for me, the thing that stuck out mostly, um, it was just like the way that he was talking about coming into like, um, exactly what he needed in terms of those strong male figures. Like, that he was searching for something. Not necessarily knowing what it was, but, you know, it's, it had a way of just finding itself to him, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I just, you know, like, I just like that, you know, it's 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 not necessarily, I guess it's not a, a tragic story in, in the classic sense. 
But I like the fact that, you know, it's like his path just naturally led him to it's like a like a winding river. Like, even though he doesn't know where it's gonna land at, it's always been taking him to that certain destination. Yeah, I I agree. And I found it interesting that um, you know, while his father could not be the man that he needed him to be growing up, he did plant that seed. You know, so may Allah reward him for at and his mother, at least for the seed being planted. And to know that like all of these other men came into his life later on and who helped nurture him and grow him and and show him a different path for what it could mean to be a man, to be a black man, to be a black Muslim man. I found that to be so powerful and important. Yeah, and also just the fact of, you know, like it was his father that kind of they planted that seed and it didn't go like according to how you think the story should go. Like when you listen to the story, you're like, oh, okay, dad's going to marry mom. They're going to start raising the kids. They're going to, you know, get up and pray every night, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. But, you know, yeah, it's like real things happen. Like, that's not how the story always goes. Like, sometimes you have people come into it and they learn a lot. Sometimes they, you know, practice, you know, 100% right away, you know, according to their level of faith. And then, you know, sometimes they kind of just, you know, put it on the back burner. And then, you know, years later, they have that moment that, you know, re- Fresh is their, you know, saying their interest, and then they start coming back and saying, "Okay, well, you know, saying now I have like the support system here. I have this, you know, like I feel like I can really do this. Yeah, like you know, not just by myself and you know my little corner of the world, but I actually have support and I actually have an environment that's gonna, um, you know, that's gonna not only you know help me but nurture me into doing these things because." You know, a lot of people feel like, you know, you become Muslim and all of a sudden you're just this 100%, you know, faithful person. But you got to build that man into in your system and build it. And you know what I'm saying? Like some people come in, they've never practiced a religion before. They've never done these things. Right. And, you know, it is difficult when you have like on the horizon, all of the stuff people are telling you that you got to do now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I never did this. I never prayed five times a day. I never fasted. I never did these things and sometimes it's hard when people are putting all this pressure on you to do all this stuff and you know what I'm saying you're like you know wait I gotta take this with baby steps like yeah. let me do a little this that and you know and sometimes you can be a little hard on them and you know it does lead people away and also you know there's a story of the people who marry maybe they become Muslim because their spouse or the person they're dealing with at the time is, is Muslim and then if they're not dealing with that person no more then they don't deal with, you know, Islam no more. So, I mean, you got those stories out here. That's, you know, one of the things, also one of the things that stuck out to me. Like the kind of story that's out there. It doesn't really get told too much. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's out there. Well, I also, also, I think it's important for the listeners to know that, um, and Jamal will share his story at some point um, in this series, but he was, was not raised Muslim and, um, you know, eventually became Muslim in his life. So he's um you're you're definitely coming from a space of understanding when we discuss people and their shahada because you've been there. Um I think that for me the biggest takeaway from this was what happens when men like are supportive of each other, when 
older men reach down and pull pull the younger men up. Um, and what happens when, you know, brotherhood takes place and all of those other things. So that's why this story was so important to me. And um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was cool. I thought it, it was very, it was actually very inspiring to me. I, I, you know, there were sad parts and difficult parts, you know, at the end he, he basically sees or hears from his father one time before he dies, you know. Um, but again, it's, it's really inspiring and hopeful to know that he had these men in his life who essentially maybe helped pick up where his father left off. Um, any sort of last words about this story for you, Jamal? I would just say that, you know, like I said before, we got a lot of, you know, people that have stories that are like that, you know, that, you know, they are kind of like in like, like a wilderness almost Mm -hmm. just, you know, trying to, you know, do right, searching for ways to do that and just looking for, you know, that person that can come along or people that can come along that can show them a path and, you never know exactly how what you do and your actions will affect somebody. Maybe it affect them today. Maybe it affect them tomorrow. But um, they always had some type of effect. Mm-hmm. And you know, with that, you know, the father came in and you know he laid the groundwork, planted the seed, and then years later they were actually able to you know have that seed blossom into you know something something that you know everybody could admire. And, you know, it's cool, you know, when you meet those people that, you know, are really genuine, those genuine Muslims that, you know, you feel like want the best for you. You know, like the Hadith says, like, you're not truly Muslim until you want for your brother what you want for yourself. I mean, it's an awesome feeling when you meet people and you feel that energy coming from them. Like, they want the best for you like they want for themselves. Agreed. All right. Well, I think we'll uh, wrap up the little convo about uh, that story and um, maybe reach right into another one. What do you think about that? I say let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So that's the end of our commentary on when men and stay tuned for another story coming at you now. Kicking and screaming. He was my first everything. My best friend my confidant, the love of my life, my husband. Even though we married young, we were still solid. He was in the military. We lived on base together. We had that forever kind of love. However, they say you can't truly be who you need to be for your significant other if you aren't honoring who you need to be for yourself. And there was a part of me that was searching for the answers. From a very young age, I was inquisitive. I'm the type of person who needs answers to my questions. So when my pastor couldn't answer some of the very important questions I had about my Christian faith, I knew that maybe it was time to seek connection elsewhere. I was searching for the direct link with God that I felt like I hadn't had before. It was during my search that my Muslim friend gave me a Quran in English. In those pages, I started to find the answers that I was looking for. While I was finding peace in the teachings of this new religion, I wasn't quite ready to tell my husband about it. I really needed to learn for myself first. In addition to reading Quran, I would watch YouTube videos on Islam. They were really helping me learn the religion from different scholars and points of view. One day, I fell asleep and left the lecture up on the TV. 
I guess at that point he put two and two together. He had been asking me to go to church and I would say no. He saw this video up and he lost it. He barreled up the steps. What's this mess on the TV? I looked at him. I'm looking into Islam. I want to become a Muslim. He never looked at me the same again. He stopped sharing my bed. He was angry all of the time. I did not feel love from him anymore. This man, my first everything, took on a new title. The first man to break my heart. He became verbally abusive. He attacked my new beliefs. He made my life with him hell. And to top it all off, I was pregnant. I was also confused. We had been together for 10 years. I loved him. Some days I would consider leaving. I would pack. I would unpack. I would find ways to make it work. I would bargain with him. I'll be Muslim, but I won't practice it in front of you. I hadn't formally become Muslim yet, but I was learning and practicing. I was confined to praying in a closet. I was not able to worship freely freely and let Allah know I was thankful for this gift that he had given me. I couldn't take the harassment anymore. I wasn't safe in my own home. My heart wanted me to stay there with him, but everything else knew I had to go. Eight months pregnant, afraid, but faithful, I packed my bags, moved across country, and went back home. My parents were not happy. They also had questions. Everyone had an opinion, but I was doing what I needed to do for me and the baby girl inside waiting to meet the world. After being home for a couple of weeks, I decided that it was time to take my Shahada. I was prepared to to go to the mosque for Friday prayers, and I would say my Shahada there. I was excited, but there was one problem. I hadn't felt my baby kick in close to a day. I began to fear that something was wrong. My mom tried to force me to go to the hospital right away, and I did agree to go, but after Friday prayers, something was pulling me there. It felt urgent, so I headed off to the masjid with the intention of leaving straight from there to go to the hospital. As I sat through the prayers, I was so nervous. After the kutbah was over, I whispered to one of the older sisters that I wanted to take my shahada. I was rubbing my belly as she led me to a more centralized area. There were so many eyes on me. I was handed the mic and the sheikh asked me to repeat after him. He said, we're going to say your shahada in Arabic and English. And he started, la ilaha illallah. And as soon as I repeated after him, my baby started going crazy in my stomach. I couldn't believe it. I had to take a deep breath because I was frozen in my own excitement. I was so overwhelmed. It felt like such a blessing and a confirmation that I was doing the right thing. As I stood there frozen, the older sister asked, what's wrong? I said, my baby moved. She hasn't moved in 24 hours. But when I said, la ilaha illallah, she moved. Everyone started cheering and saying, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. I had gone through so much to get to that point. I had virtually given up everything to feel connection with God. In that moment, that day, I was cleansed and purified and like my baby, ready to face the world, kicking and screaming. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah.
All right, Jamal, we just finished up kicking and screaming. What did you think? Well, firstly, that that sounded like one of those old hobby stories that you be hearing about in the marriage gym. Like where you have people to be turned out from their houses and stuff, like the old um, uh, uh, Meccans and stuff like that. Like sometimes we be forgetting, like it be real out here like that. Like people honestly be in situations where like either their family or husband or spouse or whoever doesn't agree with their choices. You know, it's like it was it was just wild. Like you know, like I'm thinking like as a husband, you know, you would at least give her the benefit of the doubt to kind of be like, well, what's going on here? Like, what's happening? Let's sit down and talk about it. But, wow, like, just the reaction and everything, it was, I was like, man, like, that's, that's super harsh. I, Especially if she was pregnant, too. Right, like, wow. I cannot imagine, like, first of all, starting my life with someone and thinking that we're on the same page but having such a major life-changing moment like that to know that I was not in the the faith that I needed to be in that's got to be so difficult to to go into a marriage thinking that things are going to be one way and then being challenged like that where your faith is concerned like my heart really bled for her when she was telling me this story like i you know at the end of the day if you're not able to work something out with your spouse and they don't respect who you are or the religion that you've chosen you have no choice but to leave yeah most definitely you know you think that you want to at some point try to make it work but if you are two people and you're fundamentally like at odds with each other, I mean, there's nothing that you can do at that point. Yeah. You know, you want to try and, you know, just ride it out. Hopefully you have people that, you know, are willing to be, you know, sympathetic and compassionate to, you know, what's going on with the situation. And, you know, a lot of times, especially like with marriage, you're thinking like, Oh, because we love each other so much, it's going to work out. And, you know, all we need is love and da-da-da. And, you know, when it comes to reality, sometimes that ain't enough. No. And I, she, I don't know if I, I think I said it in the story, but I remember her telling me that she, she was praying in the closet. Mm. Literally, she was in the closet. And just <laughs> hiding everything about, you know, about this choice that she had made. And, you know, I did feel some some sympathy for the husband in that space because, you know, even though it was difficult for her, she was being dishonest with him. And maybe he felt like once the honesty was broken that there was nothing that could make it work. I'm not really sure. But I, I just, I know just being married, how, you know, challenging it can be just anyway. And in the dynamic of, like, someone changing their faith, it's it's a wrap, probably. W- would you still be with me if I um, decided to leave Islam? Mm, and that's a good question. <laughs> that's a super good question. I don't know. I mean, not initially. I mean, I would have to, you know, I'd have to think about it. Mate, it's the car, you know. But, uh, I mean, from the stories <laughs> I've heard with, you know, some people that have spouses that are of different religions, like, you know, if you can't come to some sort of agreement, um, then, you know, normally it's just going to be a, a issue that's going to make y'all 
bump heads back and forth. And I wouldn't want to be in a, you know, relationship like that where we always bumping heads, especially like when it comes down to, you know, simple stuff like going to Easter Sundays and celebrating Christmas and putting trees up and all of that stuff. Like, you know, I mean, eventually to me, it would just be a headache because I know I wouldn't want to have none of that stuff going on. And, you know, it's, it's, you got to think about kids exposing them to, like, do you want them to go Muslim? Does it matter? Are we going to give them a choice? Like, uh, you know, I mean, to me, uh, it'd be a really, really tough decision. Yeah, I think it'd probably be a wrap for me. Um, part of the reason that I, you know, married you was because of 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 who you were as a Muslim man. And I can't really imagine what that would be like if 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 this wasn't your choice anymore. Um so the most endearing part of the story for me was with her baby kicking. Um I, it was almost like that uh, reinforcement that she had made the right decision and that even though maybe she didn't have her husband along the way with her that her child um you know was was giving her like that green light or I mean maybe that's what I picked up as a woman and maybe it was just the baby was just kicking I don't know but I thought that that was very beautiful I could literally see her in the masjid and that moment happening so I'm I'm happy that she had that happen for her and I'm really happy that she was strong enough to choose her you know to choose what she felt needed to be right for her because at the end of the day we alone have to answer to God you know last thoughts yeah my agree exactly what you said I mean at the end of the day it's a really really tough decision you know, to make, but you have to always choose what you feel like is going to be best for you and best for, you know, your children at the end of the day. And um, also, I just want to say, I, in my mind, I'm imagining the baby just, you know, listening to the talk beers in the valley and then raising his little hands Aww. up. And then, like, yeah, like, walk by. It's just raising his little hands up. You know how you do at the beginning of the prayer? Like yeah. Little, like the little babies in like a little fetus position in the belly. It's like, oh, what part? It just has to raise his little hands up. Uh-huh. Like that's what she was feeling in her belly. Okay, good. I wish y'all could have saw um, the visual of that. Yeah, but... just imagine a little baby in a little amniotic sack. Oh. And just sit there. It's like, oh, what part? And just raise his little hands I up. Love the, I love his voice or her voice. Yeah, like, like, oh, what part? <laughs> All right, that's it today for kicking and screaming. Um, I, I would love to hear what you guys think about this story. Um, go go, um, hit us up on social media and share your thoughts. Would you stay if your spouse left the religion that he or she were in when you guys got married? What do you think? All right, Shahada Stories family, that's going to be it for uh, this episode. Um, We hope that you enjoy the stories, that you're able to get something out of them, and that you will join us for episode two. Um, if everything goes as planned, you'll be hearing this um, in the, the holy month of Ramadan. So Ramadan Mubarak. Um, we hope that uh, you're getting everything that you need out of this Ramadan. Um Please take a moment, if you're on social media during this month, uh, to add us on Facebook. That's really where we do most of um, 
our sort of sharing and things of that nature. So just go to Facebook and look up Shahada Stories, S-H-A-H-A-D-A-H-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. It should come up for you. Like us, and then um, you can do the little drop down where you make it like a priority to see our posts. So you'll know when we're posting about different stories and different episodes and things of that nature. If you are a person who would love for your Shahada story to be shared, um, the first step would be for me to do an interview with you, um, which usually those are via phone or video chat. They don't last longer than 30 minutes to an hour. And then I take that story and write it for the stage um, or write it for the podcast now. And uh, the disclaimer will be that all stories won't make it, um, but most of them do. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can email stories at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook. Either one of those work. Um, we also ask that you share this information with your family and friends. We want to get the word out. We want people to know more about Shahada Stories. Um, and we want to eventually maybe bring it to your city. Uh, we'll be doing live shows in the future again. But right now we're just working on this podcast thing and making it as beautiful as it can be. So we invite you to join us for episode two, which will be coming to you very soon. And you'll know that it's up when we post it on our Facebook. Facebook. So go like us on Facebook. If you tweet or use Instagram or anything, use the hashtag Shahada Stories and um, we'll be able to follow you there. Thank you so much, family. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next episode. Assalamu alaikum.